Hi, I'm Megan Francis. And I'm Dave Kroc. And this is the LifeWork Podcast. In this show, we'll explore what it really takes to build a business while designing a life that matters. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 4.5 of LifeWork. I'm Megan Francis here with Dave Kroc. Hi, guys. This week, we have been talking about growing and scaling a business. Um, if you're just tuning into the show for the very first time, I'm just going to really quickly explain our structure to you. We are with you every single day. The shows go up at 6 a.m. unless there is some kind of crazy emergency or technological problem. But so far, 6 a.m. every day, you can wake up with us, commute with us, um, and we cover one theme a week. And we do it in a variety of ways. We talk about uh, we generally kind of do an overview on Mondays. We talk about resources and tools on Tuesdays, dig into some kind of a meaty topic on Wednesdays. We have an interview every Thursday with some an entrepreneur, business owner, who has got something interesting to say about the week's theme. And then we kind of wrap it up on Friday with whatever. And this week's whatever is that we are talking about the people behind our businesses. Um the people who are working in our businesses alongside of us and also the people in our lives who affect our businesses and who, you know, affect who we are as people and which in turn affects everything else that we do, including our work. So I want to kind of kick this off by talking about hires. And this is something, um, making hires is something I have done in, in a limited way in the past. And I'll kind of talk a little bit about that. And then I'm going to kick it over to Dave because he's done a lot more hiring than I have. And I'm getting to the point now Dave, where I'm looking at making a couple of, you know, Ooh. for le like legit hires. Legit. So like, yeah, super legit. So um, just in case anyone's just getting up to speed, I am a content marketer and run a small content marketing agency and have been a blogger, writer, now podcaster um, for, for years now. And so for many years, every single thing I did was something, everything that I did that made money came from my own hands um, literally plunking out keys. And, and at some point I realized I needed some help because I was just spending a lot of time doing things that I really had no business doing like coding, you know, coding websites from scratch. Um, I am not a coder and that would be very evident in the quality of the websites I was able to put together and, you know, uh, pulling images from my blog posts. Um, sometimes even things like getting business cards made before I went to a, to a conference or something like that. Those kinds of things that just, the more my business grew, the more those things added up. And it was always like a constant interruption to what I had going on. Like, ugh, now I have to take a whole day to try to figure this mm -hmm. out. Or now I have to, I forgot I have a conference coming up in a week and I don't even have a card made yet. Now I have to take time away from my client work. So I made my first series of hires. They were small. I hired a graphic designer, a web designer, and people who were doing things I clearly knew I had, I could not do well. Then it got a little trickier because I, when I was looking at hiring people to do things I could do well and that I even liked to do in some cases. Uh oh, And that was a lot more difficult. Um, but I was able to hire someone who helped me run my blog and I, I hired her as a managing editor. Her name is Sarah. She also um, co-hosts the mom hour with me, which is another show that I do. And that was like the beginning of a beautiful, beautiful relationship. And it's, it's evolved a lot over the years. Um, and she's still with me and that's great. But as the content marketing side of my business grew, I was starting to realize I needed to make more hires because now I've got a business where to really grow, to really scale, I have to hire people to do things I'm billing for. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I was just hiring for like support or for them to do tasks that weren't directly billable. Now I'm at the position where if I want to grow, I have to kind of double myself or 
create more product, as we talked about yesterday, turning myself into a product. So I'm kind of at that precipice right now where I've identified a few people that, um, where I'm going to make the hire. I know it's going to happen. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of like standing on that precipice, right? Like yeah. looking over this, what is this going to mean? How do I introduce this to my clients that it's not just me anymore, that they're maybe interfacing with another person or how do I decide what their time is worth relative to my time? It's very tricky. Dave, enlighten me. Cause I know yeah. you've got a lot of experience with making hires. Well, I, I think the first thing to recognize is that we're not all that. Um, you know, I know we like to, as business owners, as founders, yeah. as entrepreneurs, uh-huh. we like to think we're the ones we've got it all going on. And, and, and let's be honest in, a, in, a, in startup society, in American society, we, we have a little bit of hero worship that goes oh, on yeah. even in the entrepreneurial space. Um, but there's a, there's a bias there, right? All of the people that failed, you don't hear about them. So you're only no. hearing about the people that succeeded. And so you look at those people and you say, I guess that's how I have to be. And typically you only hear them talk about the things they did that made them succeed. You don't really hear about a lot of the failures. So here on LifeWork, we want to talk about some failures. And uh, one of the ways that you can catastrophically fail in your business is making bad hires. However, hiring and people is, to me, it's the way out. Yeah. To go back to the, the idea that we're not all that, the bottleneck is at the top of the bottle. Right. Right? It's usually the issue at the top. It's usually the issue with leadership that holds a company back from growth. And it's usually an issue with our own selves. I, there's, I could, I'll tell you right now, and my, my team knows this too, there are certain things that I hold on to that I do that we're at the point in some of those businesses where I need to let them go. Mm-hmm. And I, I've held on to them for what I think are very legitimate reasons. And I rationalize seven ways to Sunday that I'm holding on to those things, but I do need to let those things go. They're not even revenue producing things either, which is the funny part. Yeah. So. Um, are they things that you have an emotional connection to or like more of a pride you've always done it or um part of it is fear part yeah. of it is fear of um letting something get far enough outside of my um what i can see because mm-hmm. i try and just keep what i'm looking at very minimal in yeah. my life at all times um which doesn't work very well but it's still still worth a shot um so the idea of being able to let go of things and bring in a talented person to operate that function or operate that role or whatever starts with identifying that there is a role there. I think being able to, as a business owner, you know, you know, you start a business and it's just you, but there is a head of marketing. There is a head of sales. Yeah. There is a head of finance. There is a head of HR. Yeah. There is all of the f- major functions that a business has. It's you, right? You're yeah. wearing all those hats. And as you grow, there might be b- different people wearing the hat, but you need to be consciously aware that there's leadership needed in those areas. And I think we get so down into the weeds and into the minutiae as entrepreneurs that we think we need to be doing the small things and putting out the fires. And, and in reality, sometimes we need to let some small things go wrong while we focus on putting the right people in place. I, I think that's it. But I want to interrupt you really quick. Yeah, I think there's also a big intimidation factor when you look at it that way. Okay. Yeah. Right now I'm the, dire- the director, the head of every department. Right. So if I have to pick one, <laughs> To put someone else in, which one do I pick? And that can be very paralyzing right? because it's a big thing to hire someone to take over a part. And is it, where do I need the most help? Is it money? Is it marketing? Is it, you know, day-to-day operations? And just identifying that um, is tricky. Yeah, it is. And and I think a lot of times we think, 
well, I can't go back, right? Right. If I make the wrong hire. Right. I can never take that job again. I can't take, I can't take that <laughs> yeah. back or I can't yeah. like, the, I think we, this is going to sound very um, mercenary like, but I think we get very attached to decisions we've made, especially people decisions. Mm-hmm. I've hired this person. Maybe they're not working out, but we stick it out for the long haul because we don't want to contradict our own decision. Yeah. We don't want to think, oh, maybe I made a bad hire there. Yeah. Yeah. But cutting people loose that are bad hires. And um, this is something that, that Julie talked yes, about in our interview yesterday. That. Yep. It's key. So I think what we should be, there's, there's not really, especially when hiring, if you have the money to do it and you can find the, the resources to allocate to that person. And if that's the, that's there then, and you find the right person. So, so finding and hiring a players like rockstar people, that's a skill that I think is in the top three that an entrepreneur needs to have. We don't need to know everything about a business, especially as we grow. But that's one of the things that we have to be get good at is identifying who the right people are mm. to put into the right roles. But once we've done that, if it goes wrong, we can always let them yeah. go. Can let them go. Yeah. So this that's it's something to consider because I think sometimes we get into a paralysis by analysis, and I'm yeah. certainly guilty of this in many ways, um, where we don't make any decision, well, which, yeah. which actually is a decision in and of itself. So do you think then, and I'm sure there's a, the answer is different depending on the business. Do you think that in general, though, it's better to hire a person to take over to take one hat off, or or t- hire a person to take over a little bit of everything, so they become like a mini mini you, a mini you, or a, ver- a different version of you. Sure. If you can't hire someone to do all, you know, hire five yeah. different people. I think if it's the first hire, that's a good that's a good question. It's an interesting question because it would be provocative to ask that of the first hire, right? Right. Because you're saying, hey. I'm I'm setting this up to have somebody else run it potentially. Right. Which is ultimately where we should be. I yeah. I think I think there's a passion for running a business that um we all tend to have to some extent, but a lot of people who start businesses end up not being the right person to run them after a certain point in size. Mm-hmm. Um sometimes it makes sense to bring somebody in whose focus is just going to be running that business while you're, you know, looking at the next bright shiny object or right. you're focusing on the things that you can do really well to support that person. Yeah. So I think thinking that way is not bad at all. Yeah. Um I think that's a good approach to take that ultimately there is a role that I'm in right now even if it's just CEO or whatever right. that title is, right? Um that it should have its own salary, it should be, you know, it's job responsibilities defined. I yeah. should be evaluating myself, blah, 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 because there may come a time when it's time for somebody else to, to go into that role. And if you have the whole thing set up yeah, and you've got the money for it, you're paying yourself a salary and all those things are happening, then to hire that, you're essentially replacing yourself because to move on to the next thing. So there's a yeah. lot of freedom gained from that too. Or to just focus on the business again or just yeah. do the parts you're passionate about. I, I think there's... So what areas do you pick somebody to go into? I think there's an element of... What are the things that somebody else could do as well or better or slightly less as good as me that would allow me to focus on the things that only I can do to mm-hmm. grow the business? I think that's yeah. one great place to start because if you are, eventually those things are going to have to come off your plate anyway. Yeah. So that's probably a good place to start because you know you're going to need somebody to do that anyway. Yeah. And maybe those things will fall under lots of buckets or maybe those things will mostly be in one bucket. Yeah. It kind of sounds like yeah. the answer is it depends. It, it totally depends. But but in every business is a little different. But I think if you're using an overall philosophy or if you're, you know, yourself or somebody's yeah. out there listening, um, that's kind of the advice that I would give at that yeah. point. But um, yeah. Well, let's talk about partnerships. Yeah, sure. Another thing that I think. So and like you were, you know, just saying, maybe you bring someone on and, and they're going to potentially eventually replace you. Why, why does one person become an employee and another person becomes a partner? War, like, how does that relationship 
even evolve. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot, of, there's a lot wrapped up in partnerships to sure, begin with. Sure. Um, if you're two equals coming in with an idea yeah. and you both have relatively the same amount of whatever value to bring to it, right. partnership makes sense. But I could also see where there could be a situation where someone kind of grows in the business with you yep. and eventually becomes a partner. Sure. What are the, in either of those situations, what are you looking for? What are the the pitfalls potentially? How do you make that successful so you don't hate yourself later? Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been... Or each other. <laughs> or, or each other. Yeah, that's yeah. possible. I've been in situations where I've had good partners and bad partners. Um, fortunately, I am not in business with anybody right now Okay, that is a bad partner. That's good. Um, I think... And, and realistically, any of the, the quote-unquote bad partners I had before, it just wasn't a fit. It wasn't a good fit. We weren't yeah. a good fit for each other. Or, or we we didn't make up the skills necessary to run that business at the time or, or whatever. So those those things either got sold or shifted or shut down. So what makes a good business partner? Is that essentially what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. And then how do you kind of... I mean, how do you know it's a good partner for you? I guess right. because anybody could be a good partner for somebody. But Absolutely. Yeah. So it, it, it a business partner is like a marriage yeah that that is one thing to keep in f- top of mind is that especially if you are married you understand what marriage is like so you have to look at it like that like that way the you need to this is the person that is closest to you in the business mm-hmm. this is the person that you're going to interact with over the toughest things the the big agonizing decisions are going to have to be made you're going to have to do it together you this is an employee you can shield from right. those so um you need to be able to you think about it sometimes we treat the people closest to us the poorest yes that's but true. It, so you need to actually have the mindset of this is the most important person to me in this business so we need to be able to get along yeah a that's most important thing it's great if the skill sets are complementary mm-hmm. somebody has a slightly different set of skills than you uh, unless it's a business so if you're um I'm trying to think if you're a um i don't know you're an accounting firm right it might be two accountants yeah. right you know and so you may not have that much difference in um the skill set but somebody should be good at getting clients and somebody should be good at operating the business yeah if not the same person um so that's it's that's important to, to see in a partner i think also there needs to be clear-cut expectations of each other you know the idea that this is what i'm bringing to the table and yeah i'm going to get a slightly different piece of the pie or however yeah. that's going to look and you need to be okay with that i need to be okay with that and down the road when the money is greater. You know, some of the things that are, oh, it's fine now. Right. But when the money is bigger, all of a sudden it's everything a bigger, starts to more. Is more is at stake. Yeah. yeah. So somebody that is going to be, you know, faithful in the small things, does the right thing when there's little at stake, um, that sort of thing. If somebody's doing the wrong thing when there's nothing at stake, this, when the stakes are higher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're also not going to do the right yeah, thing. Then, there's yes. more pressure for that. I mean, there's, there's more incentive for them to not do the right thing. Right. Then. So, yeah. So those are the things you'd look for. Um, I, I, uh, I look for people that I can rely on to take on a part of the business and I don't have to think about it. Yep. So that's for me, that's a, that's a factor that's important, right? So something Julie talked about yesterday, everybody had their roles, yeah. you know, in terms yes. of what department they ran. Sometimes they switched. Yeah. But um, being able to look at those from those standpoints. And also to me, one of the key things you need is when you're sitting in a room strategizing and you're planning what's next for the business, that you think the same in, in terms of what is important to the business. Mm, mm-hmm. You're not, you don't have incentives set up for each partner where one might be incentivized to take the business in this direction and one might be in another direction. So those are some of the things that are key. You talked about also employees that you might draft into being a partner or somebody like a law firm. People grow, you know, they grow and then they they get to buy in or whatever. Um, I think that's a great thing. I, I love, I love it when employees have 
incentive in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. When the business does well, they do well. Yeah. Because you need them to do well in their role in order for the business to do well. And so I think it just makes sense to share that. That doesn't always mean ownership. Right. Um, sometimes there are drawbacks to ownership. You know, if an yeah. employee suddenly has 20% ownership in the company and the company needs to put in $100,000 in capital because it's low, that person had better have $20,000 right. ready. Yeah. You know, that kind of a, th those things kind of tend to happen. So yes. there could be, um, unintended consequences from some of that stuff but yeah. but i think somebody that especially if they have the mindset to fit that role as partner mm -hmm. in some of the ways that we just discussed i think it does make sense and if they've uh, been working for you for a while now you've yeah. had a chance to see how they absolutely deal with you absolutely. know the day-to-day -day and, and yeah. whether it's a good fit it seems yeah. and, and there are i guess there are between straight up salaried employee and partner there are there are places in revenue sharing and other yeah, absolutely. options in between yep. as well. And I do all that kind of stuff in, yeah. in various ways. Um, I think one thing to think about too is sometimes employees are an exit strategy. Mm, okay. You can build a company to a certain point and a lot of those key employees that have been along with you, uh, sometimes they'll end up buying a company from you. Yeah. You know, if you're ready to move on to the next thing and, and they're ready to take over, they, you may not want somebody else coming in from the outside to buy that company. You, you might just want to sell it to the employees over yeah. time. So yeah. Um, I wanted to, to just kind of brush up or brush up. I want to touch on one more thing before we wrap up the week. And it does have to do with, it definitely has to do with people and it has to do with scale, I think. Um, and that is the people who surround you, who don't necessarily work with you yeah. in your business, yes. but who influence you, whether that is your contacts, your network of contacts, um, your mentors, and even just the people that you hang out with on yeah. a regular basis and how those people can influence the your ability to scale up and grow in a good way or a yeah, negative way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's to me it starts in a way, there's almost like partners that are not partners. So there mm -hmm. are there are mm -hmm. core vendors that you work with or, you know, you know, in our, our cases uh, at event venues there are yeah. key caterers and and uh design people and, and floral and other sorts of things where those people are around a lot, bartenders, things like yeah. that. They're around a lot. And so they are in a way your partner, right? Yeah. So they're, yeah, yeah. they're a key person that helps you succeed. And so having strategy sessions with them and um, making sure that the whole thing is working out well for everybody involved and in brainstorming because they have perspectives you don't have. Um, I think that's really important uh, to have those kinds of relationships directly tied to your business. They have experience with what your business is doing. So there are people that you can, I mean, hire as advisors and there are yeah. mentors that you can get and um, people that have done what you're doing. They'll have a perspective. But sometimes those people that are closest to your business right now that just have a different perspective can be a great resource yeah. um, to lean on. Um, so in many ways, even putting together, whether they be networking or support groups of people that kind of surround you directly in what you do in your business um, is, is a great idea. The other thing is looking at those people, who are the key people that help you be successful? Um, I'm going to recommend one resource. There's a, a book called Business Model Generation. Um, which nice flip book, lots of pictures. It's fun. It's good for people like me. And uh, they center around the idea of there's this, there's this map in a way. It's, it's like a diagram of a business and there are different sections of it. And one of those sections is key partners. Another section is key customers. And so as you're building a business model to look at who are my key partners and key customers and what do they need and what's important to them, Focusing on those relationships is yeah. really key to helping you grow because your key customers are going to know what they really like from you yeah. so that you can do more of that mm -hmm. <laughs> or find other ways to delight them. 
and your key partners or the key people that you work with are going to see the opportunities like, hey, you know, we're noticing that this is missing and, you know, maybe you want to build that too. So those are key things to start. Um, and then you talked a little bit about men- mentors and yeah. kind of like a mastermind. Yeah, kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Yeah, that, that comes up a lot. Yeah. The, we, you know, the idea of gathering a group of like-minded people who are doing or trying or whatever the sorts of things that you're doing Mm -hmm. is so valuable. Yeah. The keeping those people around you, because sometimes I think I mentioned in an earlier episode this week that business people in isolation tend to fall into bad habits, tend to things, bad things happen to business people in isolation. And so I think if you can surround yourself with other entrepreneurs um, who are going through some of the things you're going through to see that um, some of my struggles are smaller than theirs or you know everybody's got a different perspective or they can give me some help Mm -hmm. it's great to have that and the power of what comes out of that is so much greater than just the number of people sitting around the table yeah agreed Um, I want to wrap that up just by talking really quickly about um, I don't know if you're familiar with John Acuff he's a writer of course author and personality. And um, I was at a conference a few years ago and he mentioned this concept of having um, wow people and Mm -hmm. how people. Mm -hmm. And he told his wife, he really just needed her to be a wow person. At least when he first came up with an idea, because he was the kind of person who kind of like me, I really identify with this, like comes up with all these ideas and they sound so great. And the the last thing you want is to turn to your spouse or partner and tell them the idea and have, have, have them say, uh, well, that doesn't sound like it's going to work or how whatever. You, how, how are you going to do, do that? that? Yeah. yeah. How are you going to do that? So he asked his wife to be his wow person and then, you know, said like later after two weeks or something, then you can say how, but I think it, you need both of those kinds of people yes. in your life. Yes. Um, and some people can suit both roles and maybe they need a little direction. So like, please don't take all the wind out of my sails. Right. Right um, now. Right now. <laughs> just do it later. And, but some people really fit one or the other, you know, yeah. sometimes, you know, you can go to someone and they're just everything, you know, every idea you have, they're gonna be like, wow, you could do that. And they just, that builds you up. But then you also need those people who are going to say, okay, that's, that's a really good idea. Right. So then how's this going to work? Right. And, and you don't take it personally when you expect it from those people, because you know what you're walking into and you're not expecting those people to fill a role yeah that they're not gonna fill for sure so, yeah and that and actually being able to be both a wow person and a how person inside your team too with the people yes. that you have on is really important because there are times i don't know i think a lot of entrepreneurs are like continuous improvement focused yes so we might get some great ideas brought to us or somebody may do an awesome job and we can identify the one thing uh-huh. that we wish were different yeah or that the one more thing that they can do in that area and sometimes yes. we forget to say wow Wow. yeah you rocked that yeah um there's one thing so we talked about how do we how do we get great people in yeah i want to talk about that for a minute because that's that's something where there's a lot of resources out there for that um and there's i think the the philosophy that i've kind of settled into is i need to know not only the job duties like so the role needs to be defined and the, the there has to be you know the roles and responsibilities the usual stuff you see in a job description but there's other stuff that has to be in there and and a great resource for this, and I've mentioned it before on the show, is a book called Who. It's mm. written by Jeff Smart. Uh, it's G-E-O-F-F, Smart. Jeff. Uh, Jeff. That's how I always say it. Yep, Jeff Smart. Because <laughs> I get to decide how his name is pronounced. Exactly. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> I'm sure he wouldn't care about that. Um, great book. It's one of the best books on hiring I've ever read. It's called Who. Okay. And the entire philosophy there is you're trying to hire what we'd call rock stars, right? A players, not C or D players mm-hmm. or B players. You want as many A players as possible because when you have great people on your team, they think outside the box, they go above and beyond, they do better than you ever could in that role. And so 
how do we do that? Most people think of hiring. We think of this process where you look at a resume and you yeah. kind of get an intuition about somebody. They come in for an interview. You get more intuitions yeah. about that person. They can say all the right things. And you, you know, you ask questions like, so would you be a good person under stress? And, Are you detail oriented? And they would say, of <laughs> yes. course I am idiot. You know, like, <laughs> The, we we get into those positions where we don't we don't actually yeah. verify what we're trying to get. Part of the reason is because we don't know. We yeah. don't know what we yeah. need. So it, building into the transitioning a sort of like a job description, it's almost like a scorecard, like a role scorecard. It's the target. It's it's the thing that this person would actually have to live up to in the first year. Yeah. So having on there the outcomes that you would expect for this person early on. Mm -hmm. So in year one, you should be an, an A player. A rock star should be able to do X, Y, Z, yeah. one, two, three, all these things. Um, I would expect this of you. I would expect this kind of behavior. Or I would expect these outcomes. I would expect, and you're thinking about it from the perspective of what not somebody that could do the job would do, mm -hmm. but an absolute rock star would do. And yeah. so then you use that. Now, now you also build into this, the competencies. What are the skills that I know absolutely must be necessary in this, in this job? Um, being able to take rejection, if somebody can't take rejection, they're not going to do well in sales. No. They're not going to do well in some of those other areas. Where or even a tough business meeting. Or even, yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, yeah. They, when somebody says how. Yeah. They better be like, ready. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, know. <laughs> don't look at me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hide behind the cereal. That's a flashback to childhood yeah. there. Um, you need to be able to have a clear vision of what that what a rock star would do in that role and then you measure people against that and yeah. so during your interviews you're you know one thing that's really important to this role is we would expect somebody to be able to achieve x in the first year can you give me an example where you've been able to do that kind of thing before or some lessons learned in that area or whatever and just kind of work through this process of really getting people to tell you the story and verify who they are and of course then you also check these things too you yeah. ask them to set up the reference check reviews and things like that with people that you say you want to talk to not the right. people they gave you that kind of stuff helps you just get to the point where you verify this person actually is a high performer and um so that your percentage of hires that turn into rock stars end up being higher so that's that's what that's sort of the approach that i have is a lot more detail to it than that but i basically uh, as i've mentioned in in our interview with julie yesterday i leave this book open on the conference yeah. table in front of me as i interview i'm not even ashamed about that so yeah do you ever ask questions like um so what would be your your biggest personality flaw and then people say I think it's just I work too hard. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just try to, I just have such just high expectations. Exactly. And then, the, and then the, the question, so I always tend to ask, you know, what, what things do you find that you're either not good at or least enjoyed doing? Yeah. Um, just to get a sense of somebody's strengths and weaknesses. Right. What they right, like right. And don't well, like. we all have them. Yeah, we all have them. And, yeah. and the number, everybody says paperwork. Like that's yes. the thing. Oh, I can sell the pants off right. or whatever. You're but, waiting for that one person to come in and say, you know what I'm really great at? Yeah. Paperwork. Paperwork. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things like, okay, that's great. Now, yeah. What else are you not good at? And, and, a, and a lot of people are unwilling to actually give a true assessment of themselves. I think that's because they're afraid they won't get the job. And, right. you know, because they're used to like those pat or those, you know, kind of rote questions. Exactly. And then you have to have that answer. Right. So the I person, too hard. the person that actually gives mm -hmm. what their weaknesses are, mm -hmm. or this is, you know, I was in sales for a, this long period of time. The thing I'd really like to work on better is identifying new markets for the same products that I have. Yeah. Or I don't really do well in these sorts of situations. I can navigate them, but I would like to get better at that. The person that is honest about their weaknesses, that's the person you want. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great, I think that's a great place to wrap up this week. This week we have been talking about scale and growth. This is episode, what is this, 4.5? 
4.5 of life work what's gonna happen when it's like this is episode 105.3 or i don't even know we'll probably have to come up with a different structure at that point (laughs) it will be crazy by that point so but we'll have pivoted Um, and scaled and all sorts of other fun things exactly so um you can find all of the episodes the show notes for this week at lifeworkpodcast.com go ahead and check that out if you would leave us a rating or review on itunes we would be so, so, so grateful. There's a link to do that also at the bottom of lifeworkpodcast.com. If you just go there, you'll find everything. And you can always shoot us an email. Let us know how you're liking this show. Hello at lifeworkpodcast.com. Leave us a comment. Just tell us what you want us to talk about. Yeah. We'll we, talk about almost anything. Just about anything. Yes. As you can tell by the tangents that we usually <laughs> exactly. roll, roll down. It's been great. We'll be back Monday. See you then. Thanks for listening to the Life Work Podcast. Build your business and design your life with us every day, Monday through Friday. And find us at lifeworkpodcast.com.